Hello, everybody. It is Dead Planet Society, and this is your B-Side. Welcome, everybody, to today's program. I hope you guys are all happy and smiling and joyful about whatever the hell it is that you're doing today. Uh, half of you, I would say, probably, maybe, because you're not at work. Uh, the other half are probably at work and, and, and most likely hating yourself, which is precisely why we're socialists, I guess you could say. Um, anyway... Hope everybody's doing well. This is your B-Side. We are still in the middle of season two and season three of the podcast. I've had to push back the launch of season three by one week. It's a good news, bad news situation. I kept running into situations with my fucking camera and I was doing test shoots. I was recording videos and I would go into post-production and it looked like shit. And I'm a newbie at all of this. I asked the pros. I got to the bottom of the issue. Turns out, folks, I needed a new camera. But this is where the good news comes in. Because the proceeds from the DPS t-shirt fun drive enabled me to buy a new, tasty, delicious, shiny camera. And that camera is going to enable me to produce some top-notch quality videos for YouTube when the channel drops in a little over a week's time. So we're going to be relaunching season three of DPS the first full week of May. The website, the videos, the podcast, all of this stuff that you're probably really sick of hearing me talking about. So apologies for that. But again, patrons, you guys are going to be getting a B-side next week as well. So you won't be missing out too much. I hope you're enjoying the classic DPS episodes that I'm re-airing. I'm actually enjoying that a lot myself. Because I, you know, I record and edit and produce and post these things. But I happen to forget oftentimes the content <laughs> of most of these interviews. You know, I, I can give you the TLDR, the cliff notes, if you will. But I, I forget some of the most important and incisive remarks from my guests uh, over the course of the past two and a half some odd years. So it's good for me to go back and re-listen to those episodes as well. So I hope you guys have been enjoying them. As I've teased a little bit, there are some changes that have been made to the way that I'm going to be producing things in season three. Small changes. I think they'll be positive changes. The A and the B sides are going to be released back to back on the same day as one nice, long, juicy episode for you patrons out there. Uh, many other shows already do this with a tremendous amount of success thinking about majority reports. I know our friends over at the Michael Brooks show do this. They release their, um, you know, their equivalents of the A and B side back to back on the same day. And, you know, the format is in essence is not going to change, but the B side is going to be a little bit more interactive. I want to give patrons an opportunity to pitch questions, ask, uh, you know, to, uh, contribute comments, uh, try to help shape exactly you know what we're going to be talking about so that we can serve your interests and your needs as best as possible because that's why I'm doing this you know I want to help you guys out I want to expand your knowledge base and in turn you know you might push me to ask some questions or consider some topics that maybe I otherwise might not have so you're going to help me out as well you're going to help expand my knowledge base see how this works you help me I help you you scratch my back I scratch yours anyway uh, you get the point so that format's going to be changing a little bit. YouTube video is going to drop near the end of the week. Podcast will be at the beginning of the week. I'm going to be producing some written content as well, reposting some blogs that have been sadly lost 
on the internet over the past year or two. I'm going to be digging up some classics from the archives, some classic essays, classic articles that really need to make another round to help people along, to answer their political questions, their quandaries, their concerns. There's a lot of really good shit that was written in the 60s and 70s. And every time I return to it, I think to myself, my God, this stuff is way better than almost anything that's written today. And no offense to the people who are writing today. There's some good stuff out there today. But by and large, I think the level of discourse in the 60s and 70s on the socialist left was far superior. And that should come as no surprise to anyone, being that we have been in the doldrums of neoliberalism for 35 years. And that's a perfect segue for today's episode. That was completely unintentional. But you'd think I did that on purpose. I didn't. Anyway, part two of our neoliberalism series is dropping right now. My interview with Aaron Major is going to be covering an essay that he wrote last summer in Catalyst Journal. It's called Ideas Without Power. And in some senses, it is the flip side of the coin to the conversation that I had with Ray Kiley on neoliberalism. We talked about the theory, the history, the practice, the politics, the political economy of neoliberalism where it comes from, what it means, what are the implications for the left. Well, Aaron Major and I today are going to break down a critical perspective of how people on the left, academics and activists alike, conceive of this object we call neoliberalism, and that it is alleged to have developed as a series of ideas in these dusty, dark rooms, you know, full of these brainy academic types who write books. And then those ideas somehow via magic or witchcraft disseminated through into the, you know, into the broader public, into the halls of power, if you will. It's kind of a form of magical thinking that we're going to be breaking down a little bit. And this isn't just an academically inflected diss track. This has really important implications for not only how we conceptualize neoliberalism as a political project, but also how we start thinking about how to go about untangling and dismantling this edifice, this, this, uh, this hellscape that we find ourselves in called neoliberalism. And so I hope this episode will give a lot of you guys food for thought and uh, let me know. You patrons have access to the subscriber-only forum on the discourse. You can find that at forum.deadpundits.com. Log in with your Patreon information and hit me up with questions, comments, and concerns. I hope that this interview will spark some thought at the least. And everybody, enjoy your break. I am still working furiously to meet my new deadline. First week of May, season three is going to relaunch. Got some great guests lined up. You guys know the deal. All right. Without further ado, here is my interview with Aaron Major. Enjoy. My guest today is Aaron Major. Aaron Major is an associate professor of sociology at SUNY Albany. His work came to my attention very recently as a piece that he published called Ideas Without Power appeared in Catalyst Journal. That's volume two, number three, this past fall 2018. It was delivered to my mailbox. And as soon as I saw the title of that piece, I knew this was the one. This was the guy I wanted to bring on DPS to talk to us about neoliberalism, and we're going to explain why. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on DPS. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Quite a wind up there. Apologies for that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, neoliberalism is everywhere. Ezra Klein, you know, thinks that we shouldn't use it. Ezra Klein seems to think that it's a word that says nothing. 
And yet there are a number of people who proudly beat their chests and call themselves neoliberals. And a very kind of, uh, you know, give us the elevator speech on neoliberalism. Is it a concept that has meaning? Is our boy Ezra Klein onto something? Uh, how should we look at this word as principal socialists? Eh, I mean, I think there's two parts to that question, right? So one part is the, you know, does the concept of health self have some meaning that everybody can agree on, or even if they can't agree on it, provides some kind of useful political or analytical uh, purchase? Uh, and then the other is, okay, and then is it, you know, a useful thing to then be using? And I don't, I think part of what makes it useful is that because it's drawn so much, not just attention, but work and thought and debate, it's it's really become the the concept that's brought the energies of you know left wing intellectuals together for the last say twenty or probably now even getting close to thirty years now. That it would seem like a shame to just say, well, let's just stop using it because then it's not clear how we even have these conversations that are about political economy uh, since the 1990s. So to just stop using it seems a bit foolish uh, because, you know, it's problematic. It's messy, probably no more so uh, than capitalism uh, or, or social class uh, as a concept. Globalization. Um, globaliz- right. And yeah. so I think part of the work then is about trying to think through what is it that people actually are trying to get at when they use that term. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, there's, there is this, I think there is this, this group, this sort of the neoliberalism that thinks about it in terms of, I don't know, some sort of like kind of distinct, uh, foreign policy sort of realm to that. I'm less interested in that. I'm more interested in the folks who think of it in terms of how do we understand the contemporary political economy. And so, yeah, there's very little agreement in terms of when people actually put, you know, finger to keyboard or pen to paper and actually define what neoliberalism is. But I think even in that mess, you can distill some basic set of ideas that are contained in there. Something about the redistribution of economic resources from you know the bottom to the top the redistribution of economic power and political power from the many to the few um, a vision of how economic policy and social policy in general should be conducted which is again uh, conducted by the very few elites with very little input from the many so you know again all, each of those three things is a lot to unpack. But I think there is in there a basic idea that what we're looking at is a period of political and economic concentration um, and the disempowerment of the masses. And so, again, within that, you can do a lot with it and there can be a lot of debate and disagreement. But I think it's worth keeping that in mind because that seems to be the most fundamentally important thing is tackling that basic process. Yeah, I find actually it fascinating. One of your uh, formulations you sort of put out there at the outset of that really excellent response was that you know neoliberalism, in many senses, has uh, had served as a kind of quilting point, if we use a kind of uh, Hmm. nerdy psychoanalytic technical term here, a quilting point 
um, for academics who consider themselves on the left and share a broad set of political convictions. Those political convictions since at least the early 90s have been defined as, by opposition to this thing called neoliberalism. And so that community was crafted in the process of opposing and also creating this very concept and this, this uh, idea of neoliberalism. And, and that has absolutely disseminated out into the activist space as well, because oftentimes, you know, uh, this, this kind of a notion of leftism uh, it's sort of pervasive on the social media activist spe- uh, spheres, you know, and people say, I, I, you know, I, I, I believe in leftism. And I always say, like, what is leftism? Come on. Yeah. Like, there, there are a number of discrete ideologies um, that need to be understood quite explicitly. And, and that doesn't mean you need to sort of claim a tendency because that that desire also sort of annoys me a little bit, to be honest with you. And so so what am I what am I suggesting? It's that you know, you're right to say that this opposition to this thing called neoliberalism has really served to uh, meld a number of distinct um, strategies, analyses, theories, um, aims together. Um, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you just said there also made me think of is that perhaps one of the benefits to talking in terms of neoliberalism, particularly if what you're interested in is uh, advancing a sort of a a materialist-centered view of of politics and social change, is that for all of the diversity that gets, the way that term gets used, it does tend to cluster around sort of material economic concerns. People are writing about the economy or talking about the economy in, in, in various dimensions in various ways, but it does at least keep our focus centered there. Unlike as opposed, as you said, just sort of describing yourself as being progressive or a leftist, which doesn't need to carry any sense that you care at all about economic justice or uh, the capitalist system in, in any way at all. But neoliberalism, no matter how you approach it, I think it does force you to contend with capitalist system in some way and and therefore also then invites debate discussion criticism uh, from that perspective and so it, you know for all the ways in which yeah the left is all over the place it does help keep that focus on the nature of capitalism so i think another reason why it's worth keeping around this concludes your free teaser of this week's b-side Head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe today to hear the rest of this episode and to double your DPS pleasure each week.